With the South African clothing industry still powering up their machines after their summer break, we are taking a slight interlude this week as I'll be chatting to Martin Myers, sound designer, all-round music aficionado, and someone deeply passionate about the relationship between music and fashion. Enjoy this interlude, and we'll return to our regular programming next week. Good morning, Martin. How are you doing? Good, thank you. And compliments of the season, and, and, and may it be a good year. You know, I think all of us have just put our foot one foot forward and, and just trying to do things. And, and, and um, I'm delighted that you've asked me to come and talk. <laughs> In other words, you want stories. Well, I can give you stories. Yes, because all the stories. They, 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 they've, been, they've been joyous. Um, it actually started, funnily enough, um, in 1985. I was studying at UCT, and um, I brought Sipa Hotsticks Mabuse to uh, UCT to perform, and we got sponsorship from a, a club called In Excess. And there was this DJ, Ian Borland, who was doing fashion shows with a lady called Mary Reynolds and um, Marlene Lester. They had a company called Tramps. And he looked at us at, at us, and he was impressed with what we did with the concert and work and everything else. And he said, do you guys want to earn some extra income while you're studying and everything else? So, of course, we jumped at the opportunity. Oh, we'd love to do this. And we were DJing and doing private parties and everything else for the glitterati of Cape Town. And then he said, but I also do fashion shows. So I'm going, okay, well, what must we do? And there was a rig called the Savile Rig, and it was vinyl in those days. And you carried these two 15-inch speakers in the Savile Rig with these two turntables, turn and you queued up the music, and you played the music for the models while they walked. There were Studdifords. I don't know if you remember Studdifords in Cape Town, and, and Garlics, and um, what was the other shopping center? Um, and we used to do all these things at like um, Cavendish Square was another big place for shopping centers. Um, the shopping center in Weinberg, there was a big thing. Um, and then we met Mary Reynolds and he used to call us in to come and listen to how he put music together. And then Ian got bored and he said, no, well, why don't you guys sort of take it over? And I somehow had a knack of putting music together that was emotive, had feeling, uh, 120 beats a minute, and I had an extensive music knowledge um, and, and really enjoyed it. And then realized that, hang on, you can actually turn this into a business. So we turned it into a business and did have done Good Hope Designer Collections, Miss Namibia for over 21 years, worked with all the top um, fashion designers in South Africa, people like Errol Lorenz, Dickie Longhurst, the late great Dickie Longhurst, Gavin Roger, Mitch Dolby from Carducci, uh, Craig Port, uh, David Klale, Tuda Cindy. I've seen all of these guys come through where Gavin Roger mentored, mentored them and I can touch on later when I had the opportunity to go to Paris to do a fashion show for Gavin and that. But what is quite telling out of the names that I'm mentioning, those people, those designers were quite specific in the ideas that they had. They understood the power of music and the power of emotion and what emotion did to help the audience understand what they were doing from a musical point of view. So you would have this wonderful emotive music, sometimes a lot of classical music, um, would be used. Not the Carmina Biranas. There was a time when Pavarotti was, was very in songs like Caruso and things like that. Um, I discovered a, a, an album because I was also fortunate to work for BMG Records at the time. So I had this enormous, um, how can I say, collection of music at my disposal. 
at my disposal. People like Yanni, um, the early enigmas, Faithless, um, mm. a gentleman by the name of Malcolm McLaren, who for listeners will know was the manager of the Sex Pistols. And he had this album out called Paris. And it was just made for fashion. It was made for emotion. The songs were just absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. And when I went to Paris to work with Gavin, um, we drove around and we saw the Moulin Rouge and we saw Sacre-Cœur and we saw all these places. And this whole album became this living embodiment of, of what was going on and what I saw. And he had a wonderful way of writing um, music that said things and did things. Um, and, you know, that was the great joy. You know, people like Habits had an understanding and they had a... a a way that their sound wanted to look like or wanted to feel. Um, Jenny, um, oh, what's her name again? Who, uh, LaRue. Jenny LaRue. And then um, the, um, the doyen of uh, female fashion and Thula Markovitz as well, who was very involved in the Good Up Designer collections, which used to be held, held mm -hmm. at the Dromedaris Hall. Um, in, in Cape Town, Mary used to put those on and Good Up FM used to sponsor that. Um, Mitch Dolby with Carducci used to do incredible work, people dressed in white. There was that whole era of Phantom of the Opera and using music from Phantom of the Opera. And what Mitch did one year, he used the staff that actually worked at Monatic in, in Salt River and dressed them up in all different shapes and sizes and colors of white with umbrellas and everything else. And we used the the anthemic piece from, from Phantom of the Opera and looped it and just kept playing it. And there must've been a hundred people on the ramp and they just kept walking and just kept coming and kept going and everything else and all of that. Um, Fabulous. So, you know, very, very, very exciting times. And then also was, was fortunate to be involved in Smirnoff International Designer Collections. Um, the massive show that was at the Good Hope Center in 1995, but I'm sure you've got one or two questions. Yeah, this is like trying to catch up on your, illustrious career there martin tell me i know working with like the habits and that there's always a team behind them and do you think that designers are spending enough time thinking about the music or should they really be pulling in people and speaking to a team about how they want to present stuff the very successful designers and i'm sorry to keep name dropping his name um i adored him i adored working with him he had a vision he had an understanding um, was Dickie Longhurst. He, I think it's from mm. his, his theater background and that, that he understood the power of music. Um, remember, he also used to work with Thomas Redd before he went, um, yes. uh, went solo and that. And that was a dynamic uh, collabor uh, collaboration, the two of them. They understood emotive music. They understood ethereal music. They understood the lyrics. I mean, if I can give you an example, um, there's a movie soundtrack, Air America with Mel Gibson. And there's a version mm -hmm. of, there's a version by Bonnie Raitt, a long, cool woman in a black dress. And it was at mm -hmm. the Good Up Designer Collections. And I had to play this song and you had CDs in those days, so you could cue it up to exactly the, the cue point where you wanted to start it. And I had to start the song and I sort of had to run for 30 seconds. And as it went and said, there's a long, cool woman in a black dress. These group of statuesque, all over six foot two models dressed in black 
short, short, short mini skirts, walked out and mm -hmm. did one walk of the ramp. And what I'd done in the edit, I'd looped and there's a long, cool woman in a black dress and there's a long, cool woman in a black dress. And you either stood, understood the juxtaposition that Dickie was doing or it went straight over your head. I remember one year, yeah, he came to the house and we'd sit in the studio and we're working and, and, and fiddling around and everything else. And I had to do, um, I was doing a lingerie show for Triumph at the time. And lingerie can be very sexy or it can be very smutty and there's a very, very fine line that you go with when you're doing this because you need empathy, you need understanding yeah. and it cannot be smut. And I remember, no. I remember, and I remember starting the the this one track. Um, and I said to Dickie, "What about this?" Because he was doing accessories and that for Mary at the time. And I said, "What about this?" And I played "M People," one night in heaven, one night in heaven, and looped that. And he said, "Absolutely genius, genius." Mm. And it left you thinking, and it and 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 it made you sort of think, "What now?" And how? And where? And what? And all of that. And I think that's what you wanted with 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 music. You also wanted sometimes familiarity. There was nothing wrong with using pop of the day that was good, that was current, that was foot tapping, so that people sitting in the audience could go, "Oh, I know this song. I like this." It contextualized you in time and space. And the top designers had a very, very good idea of what they wanted to. They would give me reference points. Um, mm -hmm. I remember when I used to do music with you for the, the, the shows that we did together, and there were many. You would bring sketches. Um, you would bring ideas from the students. I would go and lecture the students and go and play yeah. for them, for them to understand, because it is such a vital, vital part of the show. There is one wish that, 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 that I never, ever managed to accomplish. And, and maybe it, it's because Dickie, you know, got ill uh, and all of that and then, and then moved out of, out of fashion and was working for other people and that. But I always wanted to do a show called The, the, the Songs or The Sounds of Silence. You mm. walk into the show, you walk into the room, and there's your music playing, your fashion music playing, your statement, what you wanted to do. And as the show starts, you go to dead silence. Mm. And the show is in absolute silence. So you hear that clippity-clop of the heels on the, on, on the runway. You look at the shoes, you look at the detail, and somehow the silence would then draw you into the garments. But I don't think, I think designers were scared of that idea. And in the moment mm. the show finishes, you then pump the music again when the designer walks out to take that, to take that final bow with his signature, with his signature piece of music or something like that. And you've top and tailed the show because you've used that signature piece of music at the beginning of the show when people have walked in to take their seats and everything else. Mats, that's so interesting. And because it really touches on a lot of what where we're sitting at right now. If we coming out of COVID and we haven't had these big shows and we haven't had the exposure, how do um, designers really go about thinking about that? Because I'm just going to throw back now. You've been speaking about the 80s and the 90s in Cape Town with the Good Hope and the Niederbergs and what could possibly be the golden days of South African fashion. How do you think we move forward now? I think it's by things like this. Um, as you know, I'm also in, 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 in the music business and manage a number of artists and everything else. And you listen to a song and you enjoy it. 
But then when someone tells you the process of that creation, it all mm. of a sudden has more meaning. We are recording on Zoom now. I'm sending you the audio. People don't want to see our ugly mutts. They want to listen to what we've got saying. But fashion is all about color, movement, flair, texture, mm. design. So why not go and film your shows? Film a model walking down the street or whatever, wearing the garment. Get the model to talk about the garment. You as the designer, talk about that design process. Because we always only see the Dickie Longhurst, the Mitch Dolby, the Gavin Rajah, the Tula Cindy, the David Klale. But there is a whole team behind at the workshop. Talk about that fabric selection process. What fabric you use? What grain is, if you're doing T-shirts, what grain is that T-shirt? Why did this design work? Then all of a sudden people buy into you and go, oh my heavens, this is something that I want to do. This is something that I can um, see myself wearing. And then you buy into the brand. Why did mm. I look up to the Errol Lorenzes, the Gloria Lorenzes, all these people that, that I've mentioned at the top of my head, and still in contact with, uh, with some of them. And we have great stories because they understood what they wanted. They had a, a clear definition of what their look was and what their feel was for the season. And yes, a lot of people looked to Versace, uh, Dolce Gabbana, all the big brands that we all know so well in Europe as to the color palette and what they were doing and everything else, and watched the shows. YouTube wasn't yeah. this massive phenomenon way back in the day. You had to buy a magazine. You had to cut out the cuttings. I remember sitting with you with students where they'd cut up magazines. It was the golden era of magazines, Cosmopolitan. I mean, mm. you must remember um, what they named Malcolm Cook and Christian Gabriel de Toy. Malcolm Cook came from Cosmo magazine. He was a fashion editor. He yeah. used to, that's where, the, where they got the ideas. And I don't think these designers talk about the history enough of where they've come from and what they've done to be in the position that they are today. Um, Artin, I, I agree with you so much on that one. And I've sent out so many invites to some of these names you've mentioned. And people are just, I don't know if they're afraid. I don't know if... New media is something that they buy into yet. But, you know, we have so many amazing stories across this country of people who've tried to work there or work in their fashion story from the 70s and have great stories to tell. And there's a lot of expertise that we can learn from all of them. I mean, if we go back to Marianne or we go back to Chris Levine from the, the good old days, there's great stories. For one of the podcasts I'd love, and maybe you can even help connect me, is I'd love to speak to one of the seamstresses who put the minstrels close together yeah. for the second of jan i think it's a fabulous culture even the ballroom culture in the color community in the cape is such a rich history of design and textiles and a tapestry of who we are and we just don't record our stories enough you know i i, I absolutely agree with you you know we, we mentioned the dicky longos the errols the gavin rogers all these people that we see front and center but the seamstresses yeah. and the ladies who put that work together, there's generational stories there that are unbelievable. They sometimes know more than the designer does. The designer yes. can sketch the thing, but they will tell you, you need to get this fabric, you need to go to Zorns, you need to go to this textile company to get it, etc. There's people like Verona Dove who used to, who used to work for, for, for Gavin. She's a designer yeah. on her own. 
um, doing incredible things. And then you watch where all these people pop up later, later in life in, in their careers of fashion, because Cape Town is a very small industry. David Clarley will never ever talk rubbish to me because I saw him at his lowest point and his most nervous point just before he showed his show at um, in Paris, where these guys worked mm. through the night, where Gavin took a whole lot of them. It was um, Tula Cindy, David Clarley, Craig Jacobs, and there was one other um, gentleman, I forget his name. And these guys all came to the show the day before um, that Gavin was showing, and his collection was exquisite, absolutely exquisite. And they walked mm -hmm. out there and they were absolutely petrified for the next day. They worked mm -hmm. through the night. Some of them were in tears, but then they realized that this was the golden opportunity that they had to be exposed to the, the Paris press, the Paris um, fashion press, etc. And it was fantastic to see. And I always remind them of it. I mean, Craig Jacobs is still designing with Funduzzi, but he also writes for the Sunday Times. And their stories and there are connections that happen that people need to, to take advantage of. Look at the, the friendship you and I have had. It's over, what, 12, 15 years. Um, prior to mm -hmm. that, there was Craig Fraser, who was at Cape Tech doing stuff. Um, yes. And the only thing I ask you, and maybe you, you're, you're closer because you're closer to the, um, the fashion edge now at the moment, the fashion weeks like AFI and this and that, where is the next generation of giants coming from? Because all we've rattled off are the old names. Who's the one yeah. who's jumping out now and, and grabbing 2022 and saying, I'm here, I'm the designer. I mean, I, I see on Instagram, Gert van der Merwe, a doyen back in the day, doing stupendous work out at Barrydale with, um, with furnishings and, 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 and house fittings and, and stuff for the home. Yet he's also mm. a top fashion designer. Now, mm -hmm. the new generation were all mentored by the old God, David, David Clale, Tula Cindy. Where's the next generation after that? Who consistently, consistently put out, put out work um, that is jaw-dropping. You know, we have Nelson Cormor with, um, with art and everything else. You have a black coffee. You have uh, DJ Maporisa. You have Cubs Are the Small. You know, you have people like that doing things in their sector. Sipokazi Jonas doing extraordinary work on, in, in the spoken word field. But where's that fashion designer that you go, wow? I think that the names are out there, Mats, and the people are there. The traditional system of promoting fashion has fallen during COVID. We know the magazines have gone. And these new designers need to start connecting, like a Gavin Raja does, with a PR firm to get their name out there, like a Conversation Capital or, or um, what's the one up here in Joburg? The names eludes me now. But the fashion agent, for example, to get their work out there. There's only so much a designer can do. Yeah. They can't run the whole show. And we forget that, that like a, um, you, you but, need to find an agent who can push your work. That's the most important thing. You can't well, do it well, well, it, it's very much like a, a, an artist. They can't do everything. They can't be the producer, write the press release, do the photos, do everything. You need to put a team a, a, a around themselves. I mean, I, I listened with great joy to Simon Denier's um, podcast that you did uh, late last year. And people should go back and listen to that. I mean, here's someone who saw a gap in the market to go and start doing fashion photography. He was at every single fashion show that I was at. 
And the hours mm. are not the hours are not easy. You know, it's arriving at eight in the morning, maybe having a toasted sandwich that's cold somewhere and a cup of coffee somewhere else. You don't moan. You get into the box. You do the music. It keeps coming at you. He keeps taking photos, loading them up um, and, and doing it. And it's built an incredibly successful business out of a gap in the market that was there. Yeah. And it was a huge gap in the market that was there. But now fashion designers need to tap into that market and see what else they can do by pushing out their photographs. And as you say, get a, get a, get a conversation capital, get a Siona Aronson, et cetera, et cetera. Get a press agent um, to go around there. How many of them, for example, have got a Spotify playlist out that they are sharing once a week about music that they are listening to when they are curating um, designs? How, of them, how many of them have got podcasts out talking about the new trends that are happening and everything else? Look what you've created in in, in 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 the last year you know mm. out, out of nothing because you want to do something where are people like mary reynolds sitting and talking and imparting knowledge and imparting ideas these are well, ne we, we, ne we, we never know where it's going to land the story we never know where yeah, it's going to land no and that's what's important and i think one of the things you touched on there was speaking about simon as well is the expertise are out there you don't have to know everything. Focus on the area that you focus on. If you're the designer, design the clothes. If you get invited to one of these big shows, speak to people like yourself for the music. Speak to the lighting people. Speak to Simon about getting the best angle. Speak, you know, I know for a fact that you and Simon are so open to having a discussion with any designer about this stuff, but people are afraid to engage. It's, I'm an email away. I'd love to sit and help and assist with, um, putting music together with collections. I mean, you, you, you look, there was this great album by Chicago, big band, night and day. And then I juxtapose it with U2's version on the B side of night and day, etc., and play these mm -hmm. different mishmashes together. There were Prince medleys that were out that used to run for 14, 15 minutes, a 12-inch record, and you'd play the whole thing because the, the, the clothing that they were, were doing was this combination of streetwear, sexy sleepwear, sexy swimwear, and what is Prince? Prince is sexy. So you just play the whole track and you could see the audience bopping their heads to it because there was this familiarity to it, but there was this edge. And, and music is exciting. It, it, it's discovery. And it doesn't need to be everything on um, that you listen to on the radio because the radio in South Africa is so limited. Look around. There's so many blogs. There's so many things to read that you go, oh, my heavens, this is, this is superb. I mean, I found a band at the end of last year, a band called The War on Drugs. And I, a rock and roll mm -hmm. band that channels Tom Petty. So if you like Tom Petty, you'll like the war on drugs. And I'm reading the biography and everything else. And I'm going, oh, my heavens, I feel a bit of an idiot here. Um, I'm a bit of a late, late adopter. They've already won a Grammy Award a couple of years ago. But, you know, there's so much out. But now that I've discovered wow. them, I'm discovering other people around that and all of that. And, 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 and listening to it, you know, the, the um, mailers like Pitchfork and that, where you can find the most wonderful stuff to listen to. Um, and that's all you have to do. And then what, what I would do is you would cut up the music um, to make certain parts work and take out certain parts where it was very slow, where you could go, oh, well, you're going to hear the clippity-clop of the heels on the, on the ramp, which you, which you didn't want to do, you know. Um, and then you had people around who, who listening to this might know the fabulous late great set designer, um, 
uh, Ulrich Benedel, who used to do all the sets for all the shows and everything. And mm. so his vision and his understanding, but he was educated in theater. He was educated in set design. He was educated in craft. Dickie Longhurst used to do, do work and uh, dresses and designs for, for theater at, at Artscape and the Nico Milan. Where is that plaque? Where is that memorial wall of, of, of the work that people have done like that? Because it's only by you and I talking about people like that that maybe people will go back and look at the history of where we have come from. Well, you know, it's about time we have a retrospective to Dickie's work anyway, wherever it is, at the Artscape or at the Nico Milan. Or what, what is the Nico Milan now, anyway? Artscape. Um, the Artscape, which was yeah. the one in, or, or the Johannesburg theatre. Yeah. You know, we need to have a retrospective for his great work in theatre and fashion. But now, one of the things I wanted to touch on lots, because we've spoken about social media, what about performance rights? So if I have a Prince song at my fashion show at Fashion Week, how do I put those video clips online? What am I? You have to go and clear that song with the publisher concerned to go mm. and, and put that up. So you need to write to the record company who holds the publishing in the region that you're in, in South Africa, and ask for clearance to put it up. Certain artists will grant you that clearance. Other artists will, will um, not grant you that clearance at all. But there is so much good South African music that is out. Why not do collaborations with a Kyle Deutsch, with an R.J. Benjamin, with a Cubsa the Small? Um, go to a record company like Gallo that has a large vault of the ladies, the Black Bombazos, the Lucky Dubes, the, the, uh, the greats, the iconic South African artists, and put that out. Because remember, if you're working with a young artist coming up, you are then attaching yourself to a different market. You're spreading your yeah. story twice. All of a sudden, so, RJ, RJ Benjamin's music's being used in my collection by Martin Myers, the designer. RJ is pushing it to his followers, talking about fashion. You're pushing RJ's work to your followers, and you're getting to twice as many people, as opposed probably... to as opposed to just sitting narrowly down one alley, only the fashion alley and excluding the music alley. You want to try and have as many touch points as possible. And video, record all your stuff. Put 30-second clips up there. Put them up on YouTube. Make a clip that's 30 seconds long for Twitter, that's long enough for Instagram, that's long enough for Facebook. So you can continue um, spreading the stories that you are doing that, and showing the work that you are doing. And I think that's yeah, so did, important yeah. because we don't do that. We don't but, show and talk about our work enough to a larger audience. We talk to um, the audience and, 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 and we speak to the converted. I mean, everybody puts up like a WhatsApp status um, on their phone. Well, that's only sending it to the people on your phone. You know, you might as well pick up the phone to them. Why not go and spread it around somewhere else? Um, look at the opportunities that are there on Twitter. You have to be on all social media platforms. As you well know, the American audience loves Twitter because of the former president, Donald Trump, he used to skew all his vile nonsense out on Twitter. Um, mm. Americans love Twitter, but you need to be on Instagram. You need to be on um, on Facebook. You can do wonderful stories over a week leading up to your show with different pictures of the collection. You can do the B-side of all the um, 
all the photos that you took at the fittings, speak to some of the models, tag the models. They're always looking for publicity because they don't know where their next gig is going to come from. I'm wearing mm -hmm. this garment. Oh, I really like it. It's this fabric. It's made from this. It's made from that. Because as we said earlier, you never know where it's going to land. Exactly, Martin. And I think one of the key points from what you just said there is strategy. I think a lot of people enter these things without a strategy. Like, like even what Simon touched on, like I'm going to do fashion. Why? Why are you doing fashion week? What are your aims? What are your objectives? What do you hope to achieve? And then how do you make that memorable? Like you're saying, how do you make that audience member love the piece of music, love the whole experience and go out and buy your clothes? How many, how many of the designers have gone out and, and gathered email addresses of everybody that comes through? Everything is ticketed nowadays. You can get an email address, put together, mm -hmm. put together a great MailChimp uh, mailer saying, thank you for coming to the show. Here are some of the photos that you like. And, oh, by the way, if you respond within 21 days and come to the shop, there's 50% off um, dress number two or dress number three or whatever. Well, you were at the show. Absolutely, Martin. You looked at this. You're bringing someone in. You're now creating that wow moment that can't be bought. Because yeah, there, yeah, are, there yeah. are certain things that can't be bought. That dress might be 15 or 20,000 rand with whatever fabric yeah. you use, but you're giving it away at 30 or 40% less. You've covered your costs, so it's not costing you anything, but you're creating that wow moment for one of your customers, one of your clients, and we know the most powerful form of advertising ever is word of mouth, ever. True. I mean, all these stories, we haven't prepped one bit for this talk. We've mm -hmm. just talked, we've engaged. Those stories are all real. I've yeah. done more fashion shows than anybody else in the country. I worked on Miss South Africa, the first year they ever brought music together. That's where I ended up managing RJ Benjamin. I got Sipo on to do the show with Mark West with Sun City, and Sipo was the band, and they were backing all the um, various sections in the show and everything else, and there was some recorded music, and there was some... Um, uh, live music and then RJ Benjamin played as well and that's where I met him and then it started a relationship with, with him and that was that was 2010 and I look at the shows now at Mrs. A and I go okay well nothing's really moved forward from from those heady days and there were people who were creative and did things because they wanted to do things I mean I must give you a, a wonderful wonderful story and it's a a segue going back to Smirnoff when we had the International um, Fashion Awards here at um, the Good Hope Center. And there were mm. all these finals at Smirnoff, the liquor company, uh, liquor brand, should I say, used to sponsor it. It was a worldwide sponsorship. Eddie Cassar did the PR. There was Sue Cablin and everything else. And there was this one dress that was made by one of the tech students because it was all for tech students. You would, couldn't be professional designer you were students coming through it was the world's biggest student fashion award event and mm -hmm. there was this massive ball that the student designer made out of wire mesh but the ball was the globe of the world and she was talking about fashion and there was very little else on except this big globe and some undergarments and everything else and Dickie Longers thought this was too funny it had to go to the final because he wanted to see, he wanted to see how Ulrich and Mary were going to design the set to get this thing onto the ramp. 
because it couldn't get onto the ramp upstairs. You couldn't go, it had to come up the side. So they built this whole like, tractor tramway where the poor model could walk up. And when the model got to the top, the dress was so heavy, she fell over. No, and she just down. laid and it rolled down. It was, but, 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 but those, but those were, the, were the fun times where things used to happen. And I remember it was three garments. You had your primary garments. Yeah. And you had two other garments that used to come on and used to have to tell a story and everything else. And, and, and the one big regret, I've chatted to Mary and I've chatted to you a number of times about it. We didn't get all the autographs of all the designers mm. that were here for the finals to actually see where they are 30 years later, because some of the work was extraordinary. And I remember um, playing the music on, there weren't CDJs at the time, it was Philips CD players, you know, like your hi-fi CD player, that's how you used to have to play the music, and you prayed mm -hmm. that nothing reverberated or made the CD skip or whatever, um, and there was a lovely song that we used in one of the, the, the pieces all the way through, it's by William Orbit, and then we used some mm. stuff by Prince, we used the song Gold, because this one woman from one of the countries, everything was in different shades of gold. And, and that's, this just tied in. Sometimes pieces of music just jump out at you when you, when you look at the, the garment and you know, well, it needs this, you know? Yeah. It, 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 I, it needs this. I remember that the international show in Forsmanoff, and I think the, the judge that year was a young Alexander McQueen as well. Oh, oh my heavens. Mm, here in South Africa. And Antonio Berardi, I know. I mean, what fabulous experiences and opportunities. Yeah, you know, now, you've mentioned, you mentioned there the other icon, Sipo. Yes. So you've been working with him for a number of years. And just yes. last year, he was awarded the GQ Icon Award. Yes. Man of the Year. Yeah, Man of the Year with, with Hennessy, the Icon Award. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's been three people that have been awarded it. Um, uh, John Carney, the Dr. John Carney, uh, our unbelievable actor, and then the founder of Kaiser Chiefs, um, Kaiser Motor, and Sipo. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, Sipo's mates with all of them. Uh, very, 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 very close with all of them. But it was a joy to see. That, that was in November last year, and he's just turned 70. And I think um, more relevant now than, than ever before. I've told it to him a number of times. He has such rich storytelling to tell. Um, hopefully he gets a book out this year. I've been asked to do a book about my journey. I've known Sipo since 1985 at Varsity. And, 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 and look where it's led me. Just to tell stories, because there are wonderful stories that I've seen. I've toured Germany in 1989. Um, Daryl's done Cyril Ramaphosa's Farewell from MTN. And, the, and they're rich stories all over the place, doing playing the Baxter um, twice after many, many years gap, um, working in Swaziland. And, and I've seen things that um, a lot of South Africans won't be privy to see, you know, um, and, 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 and it's been a joy, you know, look at the friendships that I've created and listen to the initial part of the discussion we had earlier. It came mm. from doing a concert at UCT as a young student in 1985 that I ended up DJing and then ended up doing fashion shows and then built a production company, which I sold to Gearhouse and did all the mm -hmm. New Year's Eve parties that I've DJed for Elton John um, when he came to Cape Town and did a private party at Fergelechen. I'd never forget, um, his manager came to me and said, what song are you playing? I said, well, Q Magazine says 
Burn Baby Burn Disco Inferno by the Tramps is Elton John's number one disco song. So I'll be playing that. I said, fabulous. He'll just sashay off the dance floor once he's finished playing his gig. And to his God, he did. He sashayed off the dance floor to the song. <laughs> <laughs> very funny, but you know, that, that, those, are the, fabulous. That, that, those are the fun things that I've got. I've still got the program. And it says Elton John. Awesome. And, then, and then afterwards, it says Martin Myers. So I must have been the headline act, and Elton must have been my support. <laughs> Well done, Martin. You know, you know what? Um, so then, so what would you say makes joy. an icon? That's awesome. So what would you say would makes an icon then, Martin? Someone who is internationally recognizable, someone who is humble, someone who is prepared to give back without looking for the press, the accolades and the PR, and just quietly goes on about influencing and affecting change. And when they speak, you listen. Everybody's got mm -hmm. skeletons in their cupboards, you know, mm -hmm. but there are some people that are absolutely revered. I mean, I hear I worship the, the, the ground that uh, John Carney walks on when I've sat and listened to him. It's, it's so nuanced. It's so, there's such depth of stories. Yes, I'm being very biased. Um, I adore working with hot sticks. He absolutely understands it. But the wisdom that I've garnered from being around him and seeing and seeing how he interacts, those moments, those 10 minute moments when you're perhaps taking a happy snap for someone. I've seen it many times. We'll be sitting around talking and you'll see someone looking and looking and then you'll go, no, look, come, let me take the picture for you. And you see their face light up and everything else. Mm -hmm. And he's still relevant and he's still vital and just treat people with respect. Just be nice. And I, and I, and I think that's what, that's what we need. We've lost that sometimes that human touch, that humanity that, that, that we're so crying out for. And you'd hoped that the pandemic would have been a fundamental shift in the way we talk and the way we do things and that. And for some people it has. I think it's been a mark shift for yourself. It's been a mark shift for that I've had COVID. I haven't talked about it and, and run around and look for pity. I'm by the grace of God, I'm alive. I had it really bad, not last December, now the previous December, the first hit, I was gone for a month. But you soldier mm. through and we want to live life with purpose. I think that's incredibly important, purpose and doing things. And you and I and a number of our peer group, we've just put our head down and soldiered forward because we don't know where it's going to land. We set this podcast up this morning in 10 minutes. Let's not delay. Yeah. Let's do something. Let's get it done. Let's get it recorded. Let's get out there. And that's what fashion designers need to do. Don't keep the drawings on your wall at your office. Put it out there. Put a story out today. Instagram is rich for that. It's available. Mm. If your audience is TikTok, get someone to do TikTok for you. If you don't understand it, pay a student to do it. Yeah, Bring no, someone up. Yeah. Empower someone to, to do it. From this Zoom where I'm sending you the audio afterwards, I'm now going on to a class at 11 o'clock because it's a free class to learn more about Zoom. Because I want to be I want to be the stupid person in the room so I can learn more, you know. That's the only way. Nothing wrong with that position, Mats. So our final question that we ask everyone on the apparel report is what does the apparel industry in Africa mean to you? Color, vibrancy, opportunity, ability to be able to work together. Let's cut the barriers 
Let's make free trade, free trade. Let's have a common market area. I mean, I speak for music. If I want, when we go to Namibia to work on Miss Namibia, and we empower an incredible amount of people there. JP Wilson from Unfaced Production comes up and does the likes every year. We work with Johan Lowe and his team and everything else. We have to send almost a 10-page document for a work visa. That's ap absolutely mm. ridiculous. Now, how does a designer able to fill in all that paperwork and everything else? Let fashion come in from Zambia, Zimbabwe, Swaziland, Lesotho, Mozambique. You work extensively on um, Mozambique Fashion Week and everything else. Well, why aren't we bringing those clips and those designers into South Africa and then reciprocating? Yes, and then going and saying, oh, we like the two, you two designers. You two are going to collaborate and make a bespoke collection of 20 garments. And instead of them, for example, costing 100 rand, they're going to cost 200 rand, but there's only 20 of them. And sell yeah. them and open things up like that. And get youth involved, inspire youth to sit and, and do something. That I, yeah. that, I, that I think is so important and have a coherent policy because we all know China can flood the market with whatever. They make 10, you make one, you make one, they make 100,000. You can't compete with that. So let's try and build together something unique. Very true. Very true, Mats. Great words and great wisdom there. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit and talk to you. Thank you, Derek, and thank you for the time. And, and may the apparel report go from strength to strength to strength to strength this year. I know I'm in um, illustrious company. You've spoken to some people who've really, really done some things, and I and I and I play a little a, a small part, but but the door is always open. And and thank you for the time, Derek. It's really much appreciated. Well, thank well, thank you, Martin. And as you always say, we soldier on. That's it. We soldier on.